Well, Luke records that Jesus Christ chose Peter's boat to speak from. Now, this is very interesting. As we look at Luke chapter 5, we're going to study that in about three minutes. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemmer. And I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible. As we go from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, we are in Luke today. This is a gospel written by a doctor, Dr. Luke. It's very, very interesting. Corey and Ryan are here as well. Corey? Well, there are quite a few accounts in the Gospels that talk about fishing in the Galilee region. So that's what we're taking a look at today, right? Today, I'm looking at the life of Simon Peter's brother and disciple of Christ, Andrew. Very good. Janice? Well, today, I'm going to talk about Simon Peter's heart. Wow, there's a lot going on today. Take your Bible guide out and your Bible. That's the most important book of all. And let's turn to Luke chapter 5 and begin to read so we can study. Luke 5, 1 through 11. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke chapter 5 and 6 details are incredibly important to this particular apostle, Luke. Details are important and details are what the gospel writer, Luke, does best. In Luke 5, we are introduced to Simon Peter, a fisherman who's minding his own business after fishing all night without any success. Luke's portrayal of Simon, his Peter, lets us in on some of Peter's personality, some of Peter's characteristics. These details and Peter's calling by Christ as fisher of men set us up to watch how Peter's life changes and grows in the Lord. Peter will go from an ordinary man filled with questions and doubts into a dedicated and powerful Holy Spirit-filled apostle of Christ. 
Now, this chapter in Luke also displays how Jesus taught and worked among the people. It seems like Peter meeting Jesus was just by chance, a right time and a right place scenario. But was it? God has a plan. Not only would Jesus meet and call Peter to be his disciple, but he would utilize Peter's boat and preach from that boat. People would be blessed and Peter would be changed. And really, so would the world. All because of this meeting and this teaching from Peter's boat. It is absolutely amazing. When I look at the details in Luke and we discover some things that God has done, it is absolutely stunning to see the detail God utilizes in people to see how God fills them. Meeting with Simon Peter. Take your Bible guide, turn to today. Call us or write us if you don't have a Bible guide or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And when you go there, you can click on it. It'll take you to a page. Thank you for your donation. And uh, it'll take you to a page. You can download it like we printed it. Have it in your computer. But uh, we're going to study meeting Simon Peter. A lot of people talk about Peter. Oh, I'm like Peter. I'm like Peter. But this is really good because we can see what the Holy Spirit tells us about him. So, Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ that we would see the reality of Peter. We would understand what's going on in his mind, what's going on in his head, that we would learn what you've told us about him and realize that, yeah, you, you do that with us too. Help us to learn that and know that Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's take a look at the scripture, Luke chapter 5, 1 and 3. So it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that Jesus stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw the two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down, and Jesus taught the multitudes from the boat. This is absolutely fascinating. Luke records how Jesus selected Peter's boat to teach from. God knows how to get a hold of our mind and our thoughts. I can imagine Peter being there. He's worked all night. He's Imagine being just tired, didn't have much success. This is their way of life. They've got to catch fish to live, and he's there. And here comes his teacher teaching stuff, and he gets in my boat. There are other boats there too, but he gets in my boat, and I got to go out and just sit there and listen to him, and I'm listening to him preach. Very interesting, isn't it? I'm just, just put that in your mind right now, and let's go back to the Scripture. Here's what the Bible says. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night. We didn't catch anything. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I love it. He thinks nothing of this. So Peter's thinking, this, this guy's wasting my time. But nevertheless, he does it. Peter followed Jesus's instructions because he had faith in his words. He had listened to him preach, and now he's, okay. Beloved, we put our faith in the Lord Jesus as we obey his word. 
We put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as we obey his word. That's important to remember. It, you know, we might be like Peter. Oh, we can't. I mean, come on, Lord. Really? I mean, really, Lord? Come on. But if we put our faith in the Lord, okay, I don't see how that's going to happen, Lord, but okay, I'll trust what your word says. God is waiting to do miracles for us if we will just take the advantage and do it. We need to think that through. All right, let's go to 6 and 11. This is great. Watch this. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Are you serious? Absolutely. Verse 7. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Now when Simon saw that, that he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all, and they followed. This takes me to a very interesting point. Jesus gave Peter a purpose, and he left everything to follow Christ. The Lord gives us purpose when we choose to follow him above all. What is your purpose? Why are you living? Why are you alive? God has the answer to that question. And I want to tell you something. If you get into that and you say, Lord, I'm going to discover my purpose and not, stop worrying about all these other things you've got to do and all that, God will shift your thinking and shift your mind as you give your heart to him and totally, totally and completely convert your attitude and your ideas towards following him. Let me tell you what's going to happen. He's going to give you a purpose, and that purpose is eternal, an eternal purpose. It's what you're geared for. It's what you're made up for. It's what God created you for. And you begin that process now. You start the eternal life now in this life. It's very important. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It begins right now. Because when we came to Jesus Christ, he gave us eternal life, and we went from the possibility of death to the victory of life. Jesus Christ gave. Now, our bodies will die. But beloved, our spirits live forever. And we have to get with our eternal purpose. Focus on that. What is our eternal purpose? And you know what? God will help us. And he'll shift things around. And it'll be the best thing that has ever happened to you. I guarantee it. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. 
but he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. All right, fishing in Galilee, fishermen, first century fishing, all of that stuff we are discussing today. Look, I like fishing. I know you guys like fishing. Ryan, you, you're a better fisherman than, than I am. I am quite novice, but I like to do, I'm trying to get better because I'm the mom of three boys. So as they get older, I'm trying to segue into that. But this is modern fishing that I know. Ancient fishing was quite a bit different. Take a look. A central location in the New Testament Gospels is the Sea of Galilee. As Jesus' ministry was begun in the Galilee region, and because several of his disciples were fishermen of Galilee, Jesus famously interacted with the lake. Here, he helped the disciples catch miraculous amounts of fish, even a specific fish. He calmed a storm, walked on water, taught from boats, and traveled on the lake to new regions. The Bible records some interesting details about fishing nets and fishermen, even using these as examples of the kingdom of God. In the ancient world, three types of fishing nets were used on the Sea of Galilee. The oldest and perhaps most important was the drag net. This net created a long wall parallel to the shore that would be pulled into the shore by ropes attached to its sides. Drag nets were up to a thousand feet long and 25 feet tall at their middle point. Lead sinkers would be attached to the bottom rope and cork floats to the top rope of the net, creating a wall to capture fish. These large nets would be arranged on a boat on a special platform and then spread into the sea as the boat sailed about 100 yards from shore. A team of up to 16 men, eight on each side, would man the ropes and pull them in while they walked farther inland and toward each other. Dragging in the net would capture any fish between the net and the shore, potentially bringing in hundreds of pounds of fish. The fish would be sorted on shore because only three kinds of fish in the Galilee were considered fit to eat and commercially important. The net would be reordered and the fishing team would begin again in a different spot. This could be repeated several times a day. Jesus seems to have had the dragnet in mind when he said, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. The cast net was able to be used by a single fisherman, either standing in shallow water or from a boat. It was circular and about 25 feet in diameter. The fishermen would throw it on the water and weights attached to its perimeter would sink it quickly to the bottom of the lake, trapping any fish underneath it. The fisherman would dive down and gather the edges of the net and drag it to shore or swim it back to his boat. A trammel net is composed of three layers. The outer have a larger weave net, while the inner is tightly weaved. Several trammel nets are joined together to create up to a 500-foot-long trap. The net is spread in the water in a curve or various shapes designed by the fishermen. The boat then sails between the shore and the net, and the fishermen splash, stomp, hit the water in the boat with their oars to scare the fish away and into their trammel net. The fish become tangled, and they're taken out one by one as the net is pulled up. Or if there's a really great catch, the net may be taken to the shore to be detangled and reset. Fishing like this was generally done at night because the nets were made of linen, which would be too visible to the fish during the day.
There we go. I hope that helps illuminate some of the passages in the scriptures, specifically in the gospels that speak about, you know, this profession of the, of some of the disciples and also some episodes where Jesus gets in on the fishing action and lingo. It's, I love this kind of stuff. I love being able to take a look at the culture and take a look at technology and practices at that time uh, that the Bible talks about. Because it's very different now. I mean, yeah. today, I mean, it's we, we, we like watching one of these fishing shows on the Learning Channel or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. It, different tech, different time. You know, something that I didn't, I, I wouldn't have thought of, which also shows how novice of a fisher person I am, is just even the thickness of the rope and the timing of when they would have had to have fished and cast their nets because of how thick their ropes had to be versus today we have so many different kinds of fishing line available to us that they didn't have. Very so, interesting. Yeah. And they didn't have radar to cover the weather. They, yeah, that's they, true. You know. or, or fish radar. <laughs> or fish radar. Yeah, for that matter. That's cheater. Uh, cheater. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on the 21st of, of October, uh, we are going to be live, all of us, and we're going to be live in person. So you can join us at Faith Gospel Tabernacle for a special event. It's a Saturday, 1 o'clock till 5.30, and we encourage you to come. We all have something we're going to present, and the most important thing is we get to meet you. So we're going to have a question-answer time. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we need to know you're coming, so if you, it doesn't cost anything, but we just want to know you're coming so we can prepare the coffee and everything else for it. Uh, so what you want to do is go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the register part of it at the bottom, and it'll uh, tell, them, tell us that you're coming, and we'll look forward to seeing you and meeting you on that day. Okay, Ryan. All right. So in today's report, I'm examining the life of Simon Peter's brother and disciple of Christ, Andrew. And the reason that I want to bring a spotlight on Andrew rather than on the more prominent Peter is because even though Andrew is often in the background, without his influence on his brother, Peter may have never followed Christ and the history of Christianity might have taken a very different path. So let's take some time to really get to know this biblical hero of faith. Andrew, one of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ, though very much a behind-the-scenes disciple, carried out one of the most far-reaching religious coups in all history. He convinced his hot-headed, independent, domineering brother, Simon Peter, to follow Jesus. Had it not been for Andrew, the history of Christianity might have taken a very different path. It is difficult to contemplate this centuries-old faith without the larger-than-life Simon, Andrew ever in the background. Originally, Andrew was a disciple of the desert prophet John the Baptist. But when Jesus arrived on the scene and John declared him the Lamb of God, Andrew's heart was stirred. He, along with another of John's disciples, followed Jesus home that day, and Andrew brings Simon Peter to Jesus. Apparently, it was sometime after this, when Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and officially called Peter, Andrew, James, and John into discipleship, and taught them to be fishers of people. This was very significant since Andrew was working alongside his brother, helping their father manage a prosperous fishing business. He was from Bethsaida, a place which means house of fishing, located on the northeast coast of the Sea of Galilee. Also involved in the fishing business were James and John and their father Zebedee. Another of Jesus' disciples, Philip, was also from Bethsaida, and both he and Andrew bore Greek names, which could explain why they seemed to be so closely connected. The first account of Andrew and Philip together is at the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. When Jesus sees the hungry crowd, he asks Philip where bread might be bought. Philip replies, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. 
However, Andrew interjects that there is a boy who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Jesus, of course, subsequently feeds to the full the entire multitude with this small meal. Andrew and Philip also appear together in John chapter 12. When a group of Greeks come to the feast of Passover during Jesus' final week, they approach Philip and request to see Jesus. Philip tells Andrew, and together they inform Jesus. This account suggests that both Philip and Andrew spoke Greek. As author Ruth Tucker observes, Andrew, more than the other disciples, brings people to Jesus. First his brother, then the boy with the bag lunch, and finally at the Passover dinner, when he escorts a delegation of Gentiles to meet his master. Andrew is faithful to his calling, the quiet man in the back pew who does little more than simply bring people to Jesus. Andrew would also have the privilege of being one of only four men to be given inside information about the end of time. Indeed, in a private meeting, now known famously as the Olivet Discourse, Jesus revealed the future to Peter, Andrew, James, and John. You know, personally, I really appreciate Andrew and those godly saints like him because though often overlooked, they are really important and I would even say critical for the mission of God. I mean, just think of Andrew's influence on Peter who founded the church. Remove Andrew's influence and who knows what would have happened. So remember, if you're someone who serves God behind the scenes, then you need to know that you are just as important and critical to God's kingdom as those who are in public view. Take it from Andrew. Yeah, take it from Andrew. And the other person that I always like to talk about is the guy in Acts chapter 9 when Paul was confronted by Jesus Christ and blinded. Mm. Ananias was called. God said, I want you to go heal Paul. And he said, but you don't understand, Lord. This guy kills people. And I know he's got letters he could kill us in Damascus, and yeah, he's talking that, to God. That would have been scary, you know? for sure. It would have been and, very frightening. But you know what? He went. He did. I, this guy was amazing. So anyway, that's another story for another day. Okay, Janice. You know, I think of that scene of Jesus in Simon Peter's boat. And uh, first of all, I love Peter. It's just that, you know, that the rawness of Peter, I think so many of us can see ourselves uh, in a lot of his reactions, but I've often thought of that scene where Jesus has used Simon Peter's boat. Simon has been, I mean, they're, they're, they're repairing their nets. So they're done. They're done for the day. Mm -hmm. They're tired. They've been up all night. And, and, um, you know, Jesus says to him after he's preached, and I'm sure that Peter was listening and doing his thing and, and all of that. But then Jesus says, you know, launch out and we're going to go put your nets over here. And he's like, oh, I just, <laughs> Oh, you can feel, you can feel the pain, but he goes, nevertheless, because you've said it, I'm going to do that. And, and, and there was so much fish that was coming in. And I think what an incredible scene this must've been. And I think, you know, I can just see Jesus jumping up and helping pull in those nets. And I can imagine them laughing and giggling. Like at first the shock of the men, because Peter had to call them to come from the other boat, come and help, come and help. We're trying to get these nets in, but what an amazing scene. Mm -hmm. Jesus, the presence of the Lord Jesus can just change everything, can't it? Mm -hmm. And and he can just take some of the, the, the most dismal scenes. Here these men have fished all night and this is what they did as they're living. This was their income, this was their industry. And they had gone all night with nothing. And yet 
Simon lets him, Jesus uses boat to, to, you know, kind of do Jesus, his thing to preach to the people. And, and I'm sure Peter was just weary and just wanted to get home to get rest so he could go out again. And here's this magnificent miracle that happened for him. And then not only that in the boat with catching all of the fish, but that he was chosen by Jesus, called by Jesus to become a fisher of men. And I just, I really wanted to, I, I, I wasn't planning on talking about that scene in the boat, but it just, as I was listening to you talk about fishing and it, it just brought it into, into my mind. So letting Jesus use his boat, I wanted to talk about Simon Peter's heart. He was so tired, but because Jesus told him what to do, he obeyed. Even in his tiredness, even in his weariness, he allowed the Lord Jesus to work in him and through him, literally through his boat. So many fish, Simon Peter fell down and he said to Jesus, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. And you know what? That would have been the worst thing ever. And Jesus knew that. Jesus came to save the sick and the lost, not to leave us alone. And so Peter was able to see firsthand the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus said. He was able to be a part of a group that was able to witness and be taught in person by the Lord Jesus Christ. How amazing that even though we don't deserve that, God stays with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, his Holy Spirit, lives with us today, gives us the strength. And when we are in times of weariness, just like Peter was here today, when we have times of doubt, when we're ready to fight, when we're ready to do things, let's take correction from the Lord Jesus. Let's have that heart as we see how Simon Peter did. A lot of times he made the wrong choices. He said the wrong things. He did the wrong things. But in the end, he saw what Jesus did for him. And he loved him. Mm. And it changed his life. Mm. And it changed, and it's still changing lives, mm. Rod. When we see what the disciples of Jesus did, and what they gave, and what they believed, we too can be those disciples for Jesus today. Take heart and hold on to the Lord Jesus. Well, October 1st is coming fast. We're going to be live. Janice, Ryan, Corey, and myself, and my other son, Brandon, he's going to be there too. I'd like to meet you. Come down to Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. Faith Gospel Tabernacle, Brampton, Ontario. On the 21st of October, register first on our website. It'll be great to see you. Today we pray. 
Lord, I, I really want to follow you in everything I do. I know I've got a lot of things going on, but I, I want to follow you. I want to do what you said in Jesus' name.